Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to, again, announce that I have a Patreon going for the Life Shift podcast. And there are lots of tiers that you can choose from, from just a monthly donation to early release, ad-free, bonus episodes, which I'm super excited about. I am going to be talking to former guests and asking them all a standard set of questions about their experience recording their episode and sharing their story and the feedback that they got. And I think that's really exciting. I also have two sponsorship plans where you can sponsor one episode a month or two episodes a month. And I know that I announced these names last week, but I just wanted to say again, thank you to Tracy Sari and Brian for sponsoring the show. It means a lot and it's helping to pay production costs and help cover some of the new things that I want to try with the show. My friend Rebecca and Marissa and Jason and Stephanie and Kathy and Emily, I really appreciate your support. Some of you didn't want me to say your names, but I appreciate your trust in me that I will help provide value for what you're donating each month. So thank you. If you're interested and you're listening to this and you want to be part of the Patreon community that I have for the Life Shift podcast, the link is in the notes. Just come on over, choose a tier that you're interested in, become a part of the Life Shift podcast and help support what I'm doing, sharing these stories with my guests. Once you do that, you open yourself up to be an even more authentic version of yourself because there are so many things that society tells us not to do. Society wants us to be quiet. Society wants us to fall in line or do you know whatever society wants us to do, which prevents us from being our creative selves that we are. And so this moment in particular allowed me to go ahead and, and just say, you know what, whatever, people are going to look at me. And I'm still here and I'm still living and I'm still okay. But their opinion of me really doesn't matter because I'm going to go home and, and have a nice meal and, and be with my loved ones. And, and that's that. So I just wanted to open up that as well, that, you know, once you, once you get past one thing that society tells you not to do, it really opens up any possibility for you to just be who you want to be. On this week's episode, I speak with my new friend, Christina and I think this episode is very important for us to share and us to talk about and to create more conversations. Christina was originally going to come on the show and talk about their career journey and how they got to where they are and what they enjoy to do. But then about a week or two before we started the recording, they came to me and were like, I'd rather talk about this particular topic because I think it's very important and I want to share it with others. And that's what I love about the Life Shift podcast is that people are trusting me with this platform to share their stories and their stories are important. All of our stories are important. And I think that all of us, by listening to other stories, can get something really valuable out of it. 
So I hope that you enjoy this episode and you get something valuable or something tangible to take away from Christina's story. Without further ado, here's the episode. I'm Matt Gilhooley, and this is The Life Shift, candid conversations about the pivotal moments that have changed lives forever. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Life Shift Podcast. I am here with a new connection, Christina. Thank you for joining me. Oh, so happy to be here with you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being willing to to join this podcast story arc that we have going on here. And full disclosure to everyone, when we first started talking, we we really connected on LinkedIn through podcasting because as everyone knows that listens to the show, I'm obsessed with this new journey that I'm on. And you're in the audio space, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm trying to live and breathe it, Matt. Uh, <laughs> pretty much any hat I could wear, I'm trying to wear it. Yeah, trying to wear that. And so originally, we were going to talk about kind of this pivotal moment into how you got into the audio space. And I hope I'm not divulging too much, but you you came to me and you were like, hey, I've been thinking a little bit and maybe it was from listening to other episodes or maybe just thinking about what you can share. And what you're going to share today is not about audio. And I think it's way more impactful and it's a conversation that I think more people need to have you know, publicly. And I'm so honored that you want to come on here and, and talk about it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for being so receptive to it. I know that to your point, I was going to come on and I was going to talk about my time in radio and, you know, how I got into podcasting and maybe give out some tips. I'm thinking, what can I give out to listener and maybe give out some tips. And then I, I really reflected on it deeper. And I thought, you know, that's it's a great story, but I think it's probably been told what is a more powerful conversation and something that people know about me. But I think people should know more about. And, you know, I, I want to be as authentic to myself as I can. And I want to shine a light on this part of myself a little bit more than maybe I have in the past, because it's not something that I'm ashamed of. It's not something that I'm shy about. It's it's none of those things. I could not be more proud to be myself. And uh, to the listeners tuning in right now for you, what are we talking about? Well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we will get there. We can't we can't give it away just yet. We'll just, you know, we want to we want to keep them hanging and you did a really good job with that cliffhanger we got going on there. But I think I think just saying that is impactful in itself of how we all need to be proud of who we are and what we offer to the world. And even if you came on the show and talked about your souped up excitement for audio like that's cool like you know how lucky are you in this sense to find like a career space that you love and you want to live and breathe like just that in itself is something that a lot of people are searching for so i'm excited that that was the starting point but where we're going i think is even more impactful just for the general audience of people that don't have these conversations so We'll just dive right in. Maybe just paint a picture of like who you were moving into this. Yeah, sure. So let's go back in the time machine. And I'm going to go back to high school for the moment. And we can envision a young Christina, long brown hair, brown eyes, pretty medium build, if you will. And I went to an all girls Catholic high school. So that is probably where the story will begin 
for this journey. I think it's I think it's fun. Now it should be noted, right, Matt, and we'll get into some of this later. A lot of feelings that I've had and who I am and, and my authenticity, I think, has been who I have been my entire time. But it is funny to look back and look like, you know, hey, yeah, I had long brown hair. I used to get uh, press on nails and I would, you know, occasionally get some makeup done. I went to an all girls Catholic high school. So I used to wear a skirt to school, a uniform. And so looking back at that time period, I think to myself, you know, was I living my most authentic life? In some ways, yes. In, in a lot of ways, I've always just been outward in, in my expression. I talk about wearing a skirt when I went to school. We also had the option of wearing pants. And so as much as I, I bring up the skirt thing, and that absolutely happened, I got picture evidence to show you. Um, <laughs> that being said, like I would primarily wear pants. And I think that it's, it's a beginning into this conversation. It's not the crux of, of my identity, but I think it's a good place to start. And so, so looking at my experience in going to an all-girls high school. So I went to an all-girls high school, and I think that there are a lot of things that are maybe associated with that. First and foremost, maybe clickiness or, you know, this, this ultra girl mode, if you will, or just girls hanging out together. It's going to be so catty. Slumber parties. Yeah, slumber parties and boys. <laughs> I, that wasn't necessarily my experience. And from my experience, I got to see a bunch of young individuals who maybe they all had similar anatomy, but at the end of the day, it represented themselves in a myriad of different ways. And so we had a brother school, which was all boys. And then looking at that, even in and of itself, I kind of started to question certain things. You know, High school was a big time for me. I started to question some things, you know, like, is money real? You know, some of those like big thoughts, just like, wow. And in looking at some of the differences in, in between gender, right? You know, typically we're supposed to look at, you know, uh, a young female it, at this school that I went to, right? She should probably like Taylor Swift and makeup and drink, you know, whatever, co you know, iced coffee or whatever is going on. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice, PSL. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that's not always the case. And I, I think that that has frustrated me for a long time and, and beyond high school. I think that in society, you know, even, even within certain dynamics of my family, there's supposed to be a gender role and the person who exhibits or who holds that gender is supposed to fulfill that role. And I rarely see that happen, Matt. I often see people who are women and they are strong and they are construction workers and they are the, you know, they hold it down. They're, they're the people doing the heavy lifting. And I've seen men who are emotional and isn't that beautiful? I think that that is so beautiful. And I think there's a lot to unpack with myself, who I am and my authenticity. I'm going to, to spill the tea and I'm going to release the cat out of the bag if you don't mind, Matt. Do it. But I'm non-binary. I am trans. I am non-binary. And I think that we have a lot to learn from one another when it comes to gender. I think that there are some insights that maybe people who are non-binary and trans have maybe explored to a, a deeper extent. And that's not to shame or throw shade at people who are not trans or who are not non-binary. But I think when you live in experience then you have a deeper understanding of what that experience is. And so I'd love to have some of these conversations with you, Matt. I, I know I've just been going on and on, but um, happy to have these conversations. Yeah, well, and I think it's interesting too, because you do, you start from this this moment, and I'm sure it's it, it probably went earlier in your childhood, but this right. moment in high school in which you're in an all-girls, and it was a religious, it was a Catholic school, right? Yeah. And so that's a whole other ball of wax, uh, 
and no shade either way either, but there's a lot of norms, right? Or quote unquote norms, we should say, uh, that society has placed on on genders, if you will. And and yeah. and until you know, fairly recently in the in the human experience, right? It's we haven't really talked about it. And so I think to your point, a lot of people were just conditioned as we grow up that, you know, boys play with like G.I. Joe and girls play with Barbies and girls like pink and boys like blue. And and full disclosure here, I was always that boy that was the crier, was the emotional boy. And it was like, it did. It felt like a shame. Like I wasn't supposed to do those pieces. Now as this, this older version of myself, those are the parts I celebrate. Like that like makes me a human. Yeah. It doesn't matter the gender definition, right? Like I want all the experiences across those, that emotional, I want to like whatever I want to like at that point, right. really. Right. And so you're in the 16 year old version. You said that some of you, it felt like some of it was this authentic experience, but, but I'm, I'm assuming some of it felt like more questioning or did you feel out of place at those moments? So even back in middle school, elementary school, I remember there was this one girl and she would wear a bun every day and she would wear pants and she just and she would wear a polo shirt. So a polo shirt, khaki pants, bun every single day. And I just thought, like, it was almost like, I don't, I hope I don't end up looking like her. And, you know, why? Where was that coming from? And so, you know, fast forward a little bit. That's kind of, that was on my mind for a little, you know, just like this girl. I don't want to look like her. Why do you think you didn't want to look like her? That's a great question. I think I didn't want to look like her. Because she looked, and I'll just, I'll, I'll be blunt here with myself, a member of the LGBT community. She looked like a butch lesbian. And I didn't want to look like a butch lesbian because I am not a butch lesbian. I am pan. There is no, uh, I like human beings. It doesn't matter if they are man, uh, male, female, trans, anywhere in between outside of that. Um, I just like humans. And so to have this woman that I was looking at and she was, you know, probably three or four grades older than me looking up to her quite literally seeing her and how I could be reflected, it really triggered me and it made me not want to be that person. And so I think this ties along nicely with where we're going in terms of my hair. And so hair is a really big way that we express ourselves. And so when I got to high school, I too was rocking this bun. And so now it's coming into like fruition. Like, I don't want to be this girl. And then here I am, I'm wearing this bun. I'm kind of becoming this girl, but I'm not her because I feel like I'm being my most authentic self. And so what I mean to some degree of that is I was out, uh, sexuality wise. So in probably sophomore year of high school, I came out as queer. I initially came out as bi and then I have evolved in my language, in my vocabulary, and now I, I outwardly and proudly claim pan. And so that's what I mean in terms of my authenticity. And I think that for her, I felt like she was trying to closet herself, and I could see that. And so she would wear this bun, but she would always 
be a little bit more reserved in who she was. And for myself, I started wearing this bun, but then I was able to go beyond that and express myself vocally. Do you think that that girl that you saw that you were, you were, you didn't want to become that presentation of yourself later on was probably projecting, right? You were, that was, you were, you were seeing yourself in the future, but worried maybe from society or like how others may perceive you because you were perceiving her. It's, does that make sense? Did, like, do you feel Perfect. like you're projecting? Like, you nailed it. You nailed it. But was it more? Do you think it was more society driven? You know, you didn't want to. You didn't want to be perceived that way. It wasn't necessarily that. You know, the way she was presenting herself was any problem, right? In general, you just didn't want society to see you as such, and you felt you were going, or you were kind of. You don't want to go that direction, but you kind of were anyway. Nailed it. Nailed it, Matt. I I think you, you summed it up perfectly. I saw the way society looked at her, myself being a part of society with internalized biases and homophobia and internalized, you know, whatever have you. And I could see how she was looked upon in society and I did not want to be looked upon that way. Do you think that that modified how you behaved like intentional? Like, do you think it affected how if you had no, if you didn't have society there, do you think you would have moved forward differently? Or do you think that it kind of pushed you down this particular aisle in which you were actively trying not to be said person or said appearance? I think there were a lot of subtleties to it and a lot of things that were happening on the subconscious level. So for myself, I was always very active. So at the same time as I'm seeing this girl wearing this bun, hey, I'm wearing a bun all the time as well. And I'm wearing basketball shorts and I have basketball practice. I have softball practice. I have crew. Like I have a bunch of things I have to be doing as well. So I think that a lot of that was internalized on the subconscious level. Hey, you know, I'm going to wear what I want to wear to some extent, but I know how society views me. And so with that being said, there's a lot of moments in my life where I would find myself, you know, maybe having to get ready for um, an event and a, a, a mixer or a dance and going to find something to wear for that. And the the dysphoria that would come from those moments of trying to be something that I'm not. And I think, yeah, I think that's common for many people. I think a lot of times, especially in that time period of growing up, I think we are so performative, right? Especially until we get to a place in which like humans can just be humans, you know, and and it's everyone is okay with that. Right. I feel like we're very performative into like, I mean, as simple as, you know, you have to wear a certain name brand or people associate you with a certain class that you don't want to be associated with, or you think you don't want to be, right? I mean, that that girl that you looked at and you were concerned about, I mean, she could have had her hair in a bun because it was just easy and she didn't care. Right. You know, she could have been wearing a polo because that was the only thing her family could get for her. You know, like, and then we kind of create this world in which our fears are like projected out there and then we kind of create. So I know you were kind of getting your way to there, but you know, your pivotal moment really has to do with your hair, right? And kind of finding that authenticity. Like, how did you get to to that point? And, and what did it do for you? What did it change for you? 
I actually want to go back further for a second, Matt. Okay. So let's take a let's go in the way way back machine. Christina Marcello, three years old, model. I used to model. I used to be in pageants. I was on covers of magazines in commercials. I ha- so my appearance has played a large role in in who I have been for a long time. Uh, so then we fast forward. I talk about going to this you know all girls school. So I'm trying to find myself, my identity, and all of those pieces have made up who I was at that time. I then find myself going to college and freshman year of college is when I, you know, had a little bit more freedom and a little bit more time away from society, time to discover who I am, time to discover who other people are and just realize that, you know, whatever small town I come from or whatever large city I come from, it doesn't really matter there are so many different unique people out there and it is okay to be who you are and who you, who you feel comfortable being. And so with that said, I find myself in between freshman year and sophomore year. And that summer I come home and I have struggled talking to people about this for a really long time because there is so many, there is so much societal pressure. And so I had a hard time talking about it with my parents in particular, because I didn't want to there are things that you don't want to you know, let your parents down for. Um, you don't want them to feel like they're going to miss out on something. Something that I was worried about for a long time is, you know, I come out as trans and, oh my gosh, like, what does that mean for if I ever want to get married or, you know, any of these things. So I'm now in freshman year of, of, of college. I find myself in a documentary class. In this documentary class, I decide to do a piece, a whole documentary on gender, what it is, what it isn't, and how it impacts my life. During that, Matt, and I found this clip about a few months back, I actually said on that clip, my biggest fear is that I'm trans. So I'm having these thoughts during freshman year of of high school and reflecting on it and why and why and why. And then I see people that I emulate, see people that I would prefer to look like in certain regards. Of course, you know, we all set our, we all have expectations of ourselves and what we'd like, but mine didn't necessarily align to what society would have thought my, my views would have aligned with. And so that documentary really led to a lot of deep thought. And from that time, I still was not able to use the word trans, but I did know that I wanted to cut my hair. And so I went home that summer I had a conversation with my parents and I was pretty vague about it, but I told them that I wanted to cut my hair really short and that's what I wanted to do. And they were supportive of it. And so I went to a salon with my mom. We just chopped it all off. I want to say the rest is history, but the the story continues to build from there because I still at that point was not able to say I am trans. Do you, after you got that hair, like when they spun you, I always picture like this movie montage of like someone goes through this big hair transformation did you did you see it as it was happening or did you see it like after it was done? I saw it as it was happening and it was like it was like whoa. <laughs> it felt really great but so scary. So scary because unknown. Well, and unknown too, but what what I think about when you say scary is your fears seeing the girl in the bun. Your fears doing the documentary and saying like I'm scared to be 
what if I'm trans? Like, I don't like your fears are, are being project, like things are actually unfolding. And those fears were really just like, oh, I'm kind of moving in this direction. Like, this is like, you're seeing the things, you know, society looks at them a certain way, those particular fears. And then you're kind of making them happen. Yeah. Was it a relief at all? And you know what? It was a relief, Matt. It was a huge relief. There was a moment of like shock and like, wow, I did it. But then, I mean, ever since then, it's just been moments of, wow, I, I can't believe I did it, but I'm so glad I did. And there was a little bit of hesitancy afterwards, like you're talking about in terms of, you know, how's society going to handle this? So I went back to school. I went to school in New York City, in Queens, one of the most diverse areas in the world. And I would go on the subway. And in Queens, again, the most diverse city in the world, I was getting looks. And it was a noticeable difference uh, between before I got my haircut and after I got my haircut. And I'm happy to divulge a little bit deeper into that, Matt. But one thing I want to say, and I want to make sure that I get out, is once you go against the grain and you give in to yourself, once you allow yourself to be your most authentic and true self, and you stop caring about what society says you should or shouldn't do, once you actively do something like myself, I actively cut my hair, even though society told me not to. Once you do that, you open yourself up to be an even more authentic version of yourself because there are so many things that society tells us not to do. Society wants us to be quiet. Society wants us to fall in line or do you know whatever society wants us to do, which prevents us from being our creative selves that we are. And so this moment in particular allowed me to go ahead and, and just say, you know what, whatever, people are going to look at me and I'm still here and I'm still living and I'm still okay. But what their opinion of me really doesn't matter because I'm going to go home and, and have a nice meal and, and be with my loved ones. And, and that's that. So I just wanted to open up that as well, that, you know, once you, once you get past one thing that society tells you not to do, it really opens up any possibility for you to just be who you want to be. Was there something that actually triggered your desire to cut your hair? Like, was it doing that documentary or what, was it like seeing in your research, seeing others that were kind of living more authentically? I think everything combined and then also the zeitgeist of it all. And it was like, I was watching this YouTube and I'm going to shout out this YouTube beaver bunch. There was this YouTube series back when I was in high school. So we're looking at like the 2010s and and by 2010s, I mean, I graduated in 2010. So before that, there was a, uh, a YouTube called The Beaver Bunch. And there were LGBTQ individuals on that podcast. And they it was essentially a podcast, but it was a YouTube. And they would each have one day of the week. And so somebody was a lesbian and they had Monday and somebody was bi and they had Tuesday. And then, you know, for a while I was watching, I'm like, what is this person doing on this show? Like, why do they have a cis guy on this show? I mean, I guess like it's good to have a different perspective. And then I found out that they were trans and I felt something. Hmm. I didn't know what I felt, but I felt something. Was it fear? I think it was both fear and acknowledgement that that could be my truth. And I didn't know that. 
I think that there's some level of, we don't talk about this, Matt. Like we don't talk about what it is to be trans that you, you know, you can cut your hair. There are a lot of different things that you can do to your body to make it be something that you feel comfortable living in. And so to see that first was eye-opening for me, I think to say the least. From there, I have this experience where I'm now doing this documentary. I'm diving even deeper into my sexuality, but also my identity. And it just got to this point where it was like, I'm done. Like, I just have to be my authentic self. I also want to shout out Ruby Rose, who was an idol of mine at the time. And I brought Ruby Rose's photo in to the to the salon. And that was what we styled it after, which... Also, to some level, you know, I didn't bring in a men, uh, a man's photo, but I am not a, a trans man. I am non-binary. And so it does not necessarily mean that I, I have to fall into one lane or the other. I guess I'll, I'll digress there, Matt, but uh, I hope that answered that, that question. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just interesting having these conversations because so much of what you've said so far, I think is relatable to anybody. Yeah. Because... So many of us grew up with society telling us, you know, what we, I mean, back to what we were saying early, earlier in the conversation is society tells us we have to act and, and be and look and do certain things to be validated. Right? right. And so like, even to your point of being like a three-year-old model, like your existence at that point in time was based on people's approval and like winning things and performing at that age. And then, you know, so much of it's attached to the way we look. And it's like, why? Like when you actually stop and think about it, like who cares what length your hair is? Like that, that has zero definition of who you are as an individual. Like it's just, and some of us can't grow hair, you know, like there are people that just can't grow. So what does that mean? if they can't even do it. Right. And so it's so much of it, like this conversation. Yes. You're talking about things that, that a lot of people one don't understand yet because there aren't enough of these conversations out there, but at the same token, it feels very like familiar. Right. And that right. these, these feelings, all these feelings that you went through of just trying to perform to some standard that is actually not written anywhere or like, you know, like my, my dad, after my mom died, I felt that I, I had to be the strong one. I couldn't cry, you know, like I couldn't cry. I couldn't do these things. I don't think, I mean, I don't think he ever told me that that was the expectation. I put that on myself based on who knows what. So I'm wondering how much of like your journey was probably just like self-inflicted society pressure, right? Of you like assuming not to, to minimize it, but assuming that other people would feel a certain way about you if you did something against the grain. Yeah. And so I think that there's a few things because I come into this conversation just knowing myself and my experience. And you're definitely right. To some extent, I would allow society to kind of hold me back. And by allowing society to hold me back, I was holding myself back. So it was self-inflicted in that. But I should note again, you know, a lot of these pieces of who I am, a lot of pieces of my identity, which go beyond clothing, which go beyond my hair, but those pieces, I was solidly fighting to be myself the entire time. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned, I would dress a little more masculine. I would partake in what society would deem more masculine activities. But pushing the boundary as far as I could 
until I would get, you know, before I would get questioned. And what happened with this haircut is I stopped caring about that boundary of when I would get questioned. Because what does it matter? My answer to that question, you know, I would, I'd have little kids come up to me too. And I love when little kids come up to me just because, you know, they're, they are genuinely curious. They are not coming to say, you know, they'll ask, you know, are you a boy or a girl? <laughs> and it's so cute. And it's like, thank you for asking. Um, neither. <laughs> um, but thank you. And, and, it, and, you know, you just word the conversations in a different way with, with, with children, but they just come from such a nice and kind place of trying to understand. And I think we have grown up to be so conditioned with these boundaries and these set roles that we don't allow ourselves to open up our minds to see that there is, there could be a deeper expression or, or more to it than we allow ourselves. I, you know, I was thinking a couple areas, I think, do you, was the haircut cutting your hair? Was that like the first time where you feel, felt like you were projecting yourself or like, you know, like bucking the system, if you will, because before, you know, like if you kept your hair, maybe people would just assume, but now you're like, look, this is how I feel inside as, as well as outside. Was that like any kind of the reaction you had when you did that? Yeah. When I cut my hair prior to that, like I said, I think I was always, I would dress masculine and I would, I would do certain things, but I would never push the boundary too, too far. This was me coming out to the world and saying, I don't care. This is me. Strangers, whatever you want to think is fine because yep. it doesn't matter what you think. And so, you know, we should address this as well. Your pronouns are? They, them, theirs. And so how do you, and this is a, just as I'll be, you know, honest, how do you, how do you navigate this world with these pronouns and other people's conversations and say, you know, before we recorded, I told you, I said, I want to be as respectful as I can and, and do my best. It's just not something like I, I don't typically have a lot of people in my circle that, that use they, them. Yeah. And so how do you navigate this world? Like, what is that experience like for you? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's interesting to say the least. What I would say is I use they, them, their pronouns, and I will introduce myself to people as such. Hi, I'm Christina. I use they, them, their pronouns. From there, a few things that I would know. How do I navigate this world using these pronouns with grace, with empathy, trying to be understanding. I understand that these are neo-pronouns. And so neo-pronouns, as in we have grown our vocabulary to create new words that reflect people that have always existed. We just finally have language that's more descriptive of those people. And so while these people have always existed, again, the language is a little newer. And so I understand that for people, it's going to take a little bit of time to unlearn a lot of things that need to be unlearned for them to readily be able to use they, them, their pronouns in their regular vernacular. That being said, I, I wish that people who were stuck in a mindset of they, them, theirs is a plural, um, that that's a plural word, that they is plural, that it is a word that we use singularly quite often. I don't know who left this. Um, and so like they, they, I just said it, they left this. Who is they? Uh, we don't know. And so it, it's gender neutral. And so for me, I actually have never said this publicly, Matt, but what I will say to you is that in, a, in my world, 
I think they, them, their pronouns is gender neutral. And so before somebody would tell you what their gender is, you would probably just use gender neutral pronouns so that you could be respectful moving, you know, just, I don't know who you are, so I'm just going to be neutral about it. So in my world, I think my pronouns would be the easiest for everybody to use. And that, you know, the differentiators between he and she, or people use Z or whatever you might use, that those might actually be a little more, more difficult. So for, so for me, it's just a little interesting and a little funny because I feel like it should be so easy, but I I understand why it's not. Yeah. And we're in different generations. So I'm in my forties. And so, you know, up until, I mean, I would want to, I don't know the last, like maybe 10 years is it feels that's more, it's progressively getting more, uh, more public, I guess, in, in a sense of more mainstream, that's the word I was looking for. And to that point, I was talking to a friend today before our conversation and there's a, there's a Apple fitness instructor that I follow on Instagram. I'm not going to say her name, but they just had a child. And when they refer to their child, they refer to the child as they, them. And because her and her husband want the child to declare right in, in, in which they feel. And I think that is so like what we need, you know, to your point of like, that's where it should start. Right. Right. And it's so, and I, and, and, and I mean, if we're being honest, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for people to unlearn and to relearn and to get comfortable. But I think what's nice about what you're saying is that if we can all go into these conversations with the empathy and with the care from your side, my side, that we're doing the best that we can and we're trying to unlearn, if you will, I think that's that's the best place to start, at least from my perspective. Would you would you agree? Like we do our best. I would agree that we just need to be open-minded and do our best. One thing that I would add as well is there's a level of respect that goes around it as well. Mm-hmm. You might not understand why I use they, them pronouns. You might not understand they, them pronouns at all, but it should be known that I know myself and I know my gender better than you could ever. And I use that, the you, of course, is general. I'm not specifically talking to you, Matt, of course, but <laughs> um, but it should be known that I, of course, know myself better than, than, than anyone else could know me. And so to actively not use the pronouns that I am asking to be used feels very disrespectful and offensive and presumptuous that you may know myself better. And I don't say that to come off testy, but it is a sore spot that I think, again, needs to be discussed because they, them, their pronouns are, again, seen as something, especially in the hyper-political world that we find ourselves in and this divisiveness that we find ourselves in, it seems as though, you know, there are a lot of people who think this is just the new liberal craze. And I don't mean to bring politics into this, but when you live as a trans person, your life is political in terms of what bathrooms can be used, in terms of you know anything that you can really do. And so I say all of this to say it is not a political statement. It is a personal statement as to who I am. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. I, I mean, I agree. I think it's it's hard. It's it's almost like, you know, I tell you my name's Matt. I'm not, I'm trying to, I don't want to make this seem small, but like I tell you, that's what you call me. And yeah. if you start calling me like Jacob, it's also a disrespect. And, you know, in a sense of like, you should be the one telling me how you want to be referred to as, you know, whatever that pronoun is, whatever your name is. And so I I, th- I think it's, we just need more conversations like this. And I think more open honesty, because I think there are going to be people that just need to be educated. Right. Let's let's have a piece of uh, education right here as well. I love to have this conversation, Matt. I am non-binary, which again means that I am not on the binary spectrum of gender. And so if we look at a binary, of course, binary, two things, man, woman, I would be non-binary, which is neither of those things. Also, all of those things and nothing in between. Also, at times, I find that I can be agender. Now, how can you be more than one thing at once? Because that is life, because life is full of duality and moments of fluidity. And so we are not in a constant state by any means. Um, anyway, I introduced that to say I'm agender as well at times. And so by agender, I mean that I do not perform any genders at times. And I, I also do not believe in gender a lot of the time as well. And so what do I mean when I say I don't believe in gender, Matt? I mean that it's made up. And so I could go ahead and I'll use the word, it is a societal, it is a construct. It is a societal construct. I know that that might ping some ears, um, but but what I really mean here is, I love to use this example. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to, to travel at, at some points in my life. I've done uh, a few trips to Europe and such. When you travel, you can see that gender is represented in a myriad of different ways. So when we think of your stereotypical American man, he's out here eating steak, pounding a beer, <laughs> kicking his feet up, watching the game. When you think of a stereotypical man in Europe, Matt, is that the same picture? No, it's not. They're completely different. To be, I might even think of a man in a Speedo and some Gucci glasses, um, and that might be your typical European man. And so when let's break that down. If I took the Gucci glasses and the Speedo, wouldn't that be more on the feminine side when we look at it within the state's point of view? Yeah, if you look at it, it depends what glasses you're wearing. Right. And isn't that wild? 
isn't even just to the point of it depends on what glasses you're wearing. Isn't that mind blowing? <laughs> and then to just break it down further, then we look at people, you know, in Africa, a man in Africa, much different than a man in the U.S. So it just goes on and on and on. The more you look at it, the more you examine gender, you can just see it is it is made up. And so that is why at times I also feel a gender because I just don't subscribe to it. You know, I mean, part of it just makes me think like, like, why can't we all just be human? You know, like we are these living beings having this experience. And, you know, you make the point of fluidity. I mean, just the stories that you've shared in this short time together, your life has been very fluid in in the experiences that you've had, right? As as a child model, and then as a, a, a all-girls school conforming to, you know, whatever's required of you there, then playing the sports and then cutting your hair and then traveling across the world. Like, I mean, so the, our, our lives should not be static and neither should all the, the, the constructs that are around us and, and encasing us and whatever. I think, honestly, there are a lot of constructs beyond what we're talking about here that really limit us as, as human beings to whatever our potential is and who we want to be. Absolutely. I, I would refer to another incredibly wise individual, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, Alak Menon. If you are listening to this and you are not familiar with Alak Menon, their name is A-L-O-K space V-A-I-D dash M-E-N-O-N. I believe I got that correct, but they're also non-binary. And they speak to a lot of amazing points, such as what we're talking about today, Matt, being that some of these issues that trans people, such as myself, encounter are issues that we all encounter. They're just human experiences. There might be parts of my body that I don't like and that I would like to change. I would gander to imagine that everyone on this earth has experienced that to some degree. Maybe it's not to the degree that I have experienced it, or maybe it's more than to the degree that I've experienced it. But these are all just human issues. And when we talk about trans issues, we talk about gender and we talk about the roles that we're supposed to perform within gender. That's not fair to cis people either. Cis, as in people who are born, the their sex matches their gender. And it's not fair to cis people either. So these trans issues, these politics that come up surrounding trans people, it is not just my fight. It is not just the trans fight. This is impactful for cis people because it is impactful for humans. The moment you tell me that I can't use a bathroom because I cut my hair is a moment that should be scary for you as well, because it means that you're, if you act outside of the, the role that you are supposed to be performing in, there could be backlash for you as well. You know, I hope people listening to this, especially people that are maybe if this is new to them they or it's not in their inner circle, that they listen with an open mind and understand that we're having a human conversation right here, right? And that we all deserve the same things. We deserve the same love. We deserve the same rights. We deserve whatever someone else is getting. Why, you know, like why, what is different about me, you know, that I can have this right, you know, as a white man and you can't have it just because, 
you know, like well, that doesn't make right. any sense. It's just, it is it, when you break it down to just the fact that, you know, this is a human experience and this is how you are experiencing the world in your, and why am I going to tell you how you should be experiencing the world? Right. I shouldn't. <laughs> Or I shouldn't tell you how to do it either, you know, and, and that was your life, like kind of, so you cut your hair, right? And, and the fact that you were scared to become this, you were scared to become the next thing. But at the end of the day, that was because whatever you had grown up, you know, kind of hearing from other people was like kind of creating that fear when at the end, if you were taught from early on, not to say anything about our parents, but if you were taught from early on that, like, be whoever you are and whatever you are is okay. You're human. Yeah. I should shout out my parents. I do want to say that they have been incredibly supportive. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm so thankful to have them in my corner every day. So I do want to do want to make that note. And I, mom, dad, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to say too, though, Matt is, and I, you know, I don't know if you want me to go there, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> we talk about this is a human experience. I mentioned the point of maybe there are things that I want to change about my body that other people want to change about their body. It's so interesting when you put in, you just have to insert the word trans and the conversation goes into a different lane. If I were to tell you that a cis woman went and got implants I just called a boob job. Like a woman went out and got a boob job. Like good for her. How much does that impact really anybody's day? A woman goes ahead or anybody goes ahead and they get married. They then change their name. Now they're Mr. XY. Now they're Mrs. XYZ. And people just change over like, like it was nothing. It's, it's clearly easy to do. And I don't mean to go on a rant. I don't mean to come across in an aggressive manner by any means, but these are points that I'm passionate about. And I just wanted, wanted to get them across, you know, we can easily change the way we refer to people when they get married. And when people alter their bodies and they're cis, seemingly it goes without any discussion. For friends of mine that want to, you know, who are trans and they want to what we call top surgery, I jokingly consider that a boob job. Like, good for you, go get a boob job. Like, who cares? Um, we seemingly don't care when it's other people, but we seem to care when it is trans people. So I would just ask that we come back to this same point as a society, like we are all human. We're all experiencing this life together. Why put any undue pressure or stress on one another when we already have that in our day to day? Especially when it doesn't impact you at all. Right. Like the other person, like whatever you choose to do really doesn't affect any part of my existence. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. it's, it is silly. And, and, I'm sorry that, that you still have to, you know, that you fight, but hopefully we get to a point in which these conversations are more common and then we don't have to have the conversations because everything, you know, makes sense yeah. in the world for everyone. I mean, I have hope that we'll get there. I feel like the last, uh, however many years, I can never pick a number apparently, but however, you know, I feel like we're talking more yeah, and things are more mainstream and hopefully these conversations, I mean, hopefully we change one mind in this conversation, right? I mean, that would be a success, right? If you don't mind. And, and to me, change a mind as in allow somebody to open up their mind to 
examine something that maybe they don't personally align with or agree with, but they're able to accept it and digest it. That would be the success for me. I know when we talk about sexuality or trans, you know, gender or any of these things, there is some level of conversation that can come up around grooming and people trying to persuade other people to change themselves. And I just want to address that. For myself, the change that I wish to see in the world is empathy, openness, and understanding. 100%. I hope we get there. I Yeah. I feel like your generation and the younger generations, there's more of that. And maybe eventually when all us old people die away, then we'll have a better experience i want everybody to stay and i just want us to get along yes. but it's a big dream it is it is a big dream unfortunately but like we said we, we're having this conversation now which i think is important just in its sense of whoever's listening to this i hope that you just take a moment and just think about it and and be willing to understand that that's someone else's journey it doesn't have to be your journey it doesn't have to be your experience to understand it Oh, so I like to kind of wrap up these conversations with a question. And and this whole time I'm thinking, what would current Christina say to that version of you with the long brown hair that we started this conversation with? What What could you say to that person right now? Off the cuff, straight up honest with you, I would tell past Christina cut your hair, do whatever you want to do to your body. It does not matter because it is your body. It does not impact anyone else. And you will still be the person you want to be. I think what I would also say to some degree is not to be cliche. So I wouldn't want to use these exact words, but it gets better. Um, It's okay to be authentically you no matter what. Just do it. We said this before. I mean, I think that truth can be said to anyone. Right. (laughs) Right? Like that advice works for all of us. Like just lean into your authenticity, you know, and we shouldn't have to be brave about it. But if that's the word we want to attach to just living out loud, then let's, let's do that for more people. Let's make it a safer space for people to just be however they want to be. Yeah. As long as it doesn't hurt me, why should that matter? Right? Exactly. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the life shift podcast. I know this is a conversation that, that needs to be had. And I'm so glad that we changed the topic. Maybe we'll have you on about audio at some point, but I think this was much richer and, and really valuable. And I appreciate you. Thank you. And I appreciate you, Matt. I appreciate you being open to have the conversation and creating a safe space for this conversation to be had. I truly, truly thank you from, from the bottom of my heart. It, it is, uh, it's an important topic and I appreciate your willingness to have it. Well, thank you. And for those of you listening to the Life Shift podcast, if you are enjoying, uh, Christina, you can tell them to rate and review five stars, of course. It just helps all of us. It, and if it does nothing for the charts, It helps fill my soul with with goodness, but only if it's a five and only if it's a good review. But anyway, so we'll be back next week with another episode of the Life Shift podcast and we'll see you next week.
For more information, please visit www.thelifeshiftpodcast.com.